hey, uh, don't fast forward. I want to share some information about a special deal with you. Bounce Athletics is offering 343 listeners and members a 10% discount on orders of premium custom soccer balls and training vests. That's right. Bounce Athletics products are fully customizable, which means you can get your school or your club or your camp logo right on the balls or the vests when you order. I personally tested their mini balls, camp balls, NFHS approved balls, and I was thoroughly impressed with everything. And so was the U12 player that I just finished training this morning. If you are running a soccer camp in 2019, Bounce Athletics can offer you fully customized, micro-stitched, textured, premium camp soccer balls for under $9 per ball. These are the same exact balls that are used by major D1 college programs for their camps, such as Wake Forest, Creighton, Texas Tech, Michigan State, just to name a handful. To receive free shipping with delivery in May, just place your order by February 15th, 2019. Email info at bounceathletics.com to start the order process and make sure that you mention 343 so you get your 10% off of your order. This is the 343 Podcast. I'm your host, John Pronich. Welcome to the show. Joey Cassio is a good friend and colleague of mine. Hopefully you've heard him on this show before, and hopefully you know who he is and what he is all about and why he is determined to keep pushing forward in American soccer. But if you haven't heard our other chats, no worries. They're all available in the write-up of this podcast, and you can find those links later. But for now, I want you to focus on this episode because Joey has an amazing story to tell. In 2018, he had a crazy year that ended with a first-place trophy being raised after a national title game. And I wanted to hear him talk about the highs and the lows. I knew a little bit about the stories because just, you know, uh, we're friends and we talk all the time. But I didn't know about a lot of the subtleties. And so I kind of picked him apart in this episode. Um, and, and I think caught him off guard with a couple questions as well. Um, but in this episode, we discuss the roster building process and what that process was like for him with these specific teams that he works with. We also discussed his trusting of young players to do the job in big games, which I think uh, can translate to a bigger American soccer conversation. And we also talked about how long it takes to build your foundation as a coach and as a team and when it is appropriate to layer on more material. I kind of hesitated when I said that because uh, I'm just recalling some of the conversation, and I think that you're going to enjoy that part maybe the most when we uh, talk about that. Uh, but like I just mentioned, you can find links to all of our previous conversations by visiting 343coaching.com, and that is also where you can find more about the 343 Premium Coaching Education Membership, which is a member program that Joey and I are both members of. And quick story, last little bit before we get into today's episode. The other day on Twitter... Somebody asked if I had a Patreon account. I don't know if you know what those are, but it's like a site where people can donate 
to help support various types of work. And a lot of people have their podcasts or have Patreon accounts for their podcasts. Um, I, I don't know. He might have been kidding. I, I, I honestly don't know. But my response was, no, we don't accept donations. And that is not our style. And if you find this podcast valuable and if you find our Twitter activity valuable and you find our free coaching course valuable and you want to support the work that we do, well, we will give you even more in return. We already give a ton away for free, but we will give you even more in return. And to be specific, if you want to support this podcast, you should become a member of the 343 Premium Coaching Education Program. Our online courses have already helped thousands of coaches reduce their trial and error time, and we have absolutely no shame in saying that we provide the best possession-based soccer coaching education in the country. And becoming a member is the best way to support 343. You can learn more about the 343 Premium Membership and all of its benefits by visiting 343coaching.com. All right. Are you ready? I hope you are. And I hope that you enjoy this episode of the 343 Podcast with Joey Cassio. So here's what I kind of wanted to talk about, and I wanted to get your thoughts on uh, for this last this last episode of 2018. Um, you had a super successful. Well, I don't know if it, if it was an entirely successful year. Maybe maybe ups and downs throughout the year, but you ended the the year on an extremely high note. So I wanted to kind of get your recap for the year. Maybe some things that you had set as goals or benchmarks that you wanted to achieve or accomplish throughout the year and, and let me know if you were able to uh, ob- obtain those goals. And then okay. obviously uh, let, let's talk about your success that you had um, just most recently in, in Florida. And then I'm, I'm also mm-hmm. very, very curious about how you kind of use all this to set some new goals and some new benchmarks for the future and, and what the plans might be going into you know, into a new season, into a new year. So this is a pretty unique time where, you know, everything's kind of just chill, everything's on a break, and you get a lot of time to reflect and, and things like that. So I want to know what's what's going on in the mind of Joey. Okay, yeah, sounds good, man. So let's, uh, let's kind of start with, uh, with 2018. Maybe just, uh, you know, if people are listening to this, they can obviously go back and listen to a number of different episodes that we've recorded now. I, they're kind of they kind of follow your journey as a as a coach, you know, through through your time at LAFC, now at Fram. Um, but let's uh, let, let's kind of pick up somewhere in 2018. I'll let you choose the the spot that you want to go from, and then uh, and then bring us to let's try to bring it all the way up to your your t- most recent tournament in Florida. Okay. Yeah. So I actually started working. Uh, for Fram, discussions were going on this time last year. Uh, I officially came on board just a few days into January of 2018. So um, I knew for sure that I was going to have two teams at that time. Um, but once we started to get into February, uh, I found out that I was going to have three teams. So, yeah, going into it... Um, you know, it had been a while since I had 
coached that many teams at a time. You know, LAFC, I had the U12s, and at Galaxy, I was, you know, doing the scouting, and then I had uh, a team at Galaxy South Bay. So I knew it was going to be a lot of work. But uh, I would say my main priority was to make sure that the oldest team, the 2002s, uh, had a strong year. Because I know that, you know, they're, they're coming towards the end of their their club playing career. And, you know, at that age, with the families and the players, college is a big topic of discussion, right? So I wanted to make sure that that team was strong and somewhat successful in 2018. My 04s and my 06s, you know, I came in and I kind of said to myself, you know, I'll give uh, the players an opportunity to prove themselves Throughout the year, I, I didn't really make too many changes. I added some players to the roster, uh, both rosters. I maybe I didn't make too many uh, subtractions from the roster, but I wanted to give them an opportunity to prove themselves throughout the year, and then and then start building from there. So uh, going into so when I took over the 2002s, I sort of overlapped the previous coach. You know, I came in, I was helping out. And then he moved on to another job and then I took over. So the 2002s, I had full control of going into National Cup, which was about uh, April, late March, April. And in National Cup, we didn't get out of group play. Uh, so I had three games with them to sort of watch and analyze what, what I needed to do to make sure that 2018 was a strong year. So after National Cup, I... I thought a lot about it and I felt like I needed to make a significant amount of changes to, to the roster to implement my sort of soccer vision to the team. So after national cup, I went through the process of, you know, speaking to all the families and letting them know where they were at. And I ended up actually moving on eight players. Um, so, you know, before I did that, I had spoken to players that, I was aware of and, and had recruited and scouted and knew that I wanted to bring in. So I had that all lined up. So I spoke to those families, let them know that I was going to be moving on in a different direction. And that's a difficult thing. You know, that's, that's never an easy thing to manage or a process to go through, but it, it worked. And I brought in eight players, uh, immediately the, the culture changed pretty quickly. Um, four of the players that I brought in had worked with me previously. So, you know, they, they, they had an idea of what it was like to be in the training environment and the way that we wanted to play on the field. So that, that helped speed up the process for the players who hadn't worked with me before. Uh, and their, their personalities were fantastic. They're very infectious personalities. So it really helped. But two of the eight players. So we we're going to the summer and we're playing tournaments. Uh, we're, we're, we're competing in the group play of Super Y League during the summer as well. That's where that competition started. It started in July. So two of the players that I had brought in didn't make it past August with me for a variety of reasons. So those players left, and it left you know our roster not as deep. And that's when I I was thinking to myself, you know, 
I have some, I have a few players on the O4 team who are doing really well. Um, very successful. They're consistent. They train well. And I felt like it wouldn't be too big of a problem for them to, to play with the O2s. So I introduced them to the training environment with the O2s. Um, I would say in August. So they, they started to play in group play with us for super wide league. Uh, you know, just slowly working into the team and over many months, their, their roles with the team grew bigger and bigger and bigger. So yeah, the O2s had, had a good run. They, uh, they didn't lose a game until, uh, the playoffs of SCDSL. SCDSL is our, our local league that we, we participate in here in Southern California during the fall. Um, we were in the semifinal playoffs, and that's when we finally lost the game. So we did well. Um, the O4s, they weren't consistent during the summer. You know, a lot of a lot of people wanted to go on vacation. A lot of the families wanted to go on vacation and uh, miss games and training sessions. So there was a lot of inconsistency there when you're not, you know, working on a consistent basis and training in games results follow suit and they're also inconsistent. So that was a process of educating everybody um, to understand that, look, if, if the team is going to be successful collectively, then everybody has to be committed to our training sessions and, and our games. We can't just, you know, decide that we're going to take off a, a day or a training or we're going to go out of town for a weekend. So, uh, that team, there was a lot of education going on. Um, I was more patient there than with the O2s, obviously. The O6s, uh, you know, they're younger. They're, they're 12, 13 years old. Um, you know, that, that's going to be more of a, a process, uh, a building long-term, more so than the other two. Uh, so... The O6s finished mid-table in their fall league. The O4s started out very strong in our fall league. Uh, didn't hadn't lost a game, and then we went into the last two weekends of of the competition, and things started to fall apart a little bit. We we lost a, two games, I believe we tied one, and then we won one. So we went from first to like fifth in the last two weekends of league play. You like Man City, uh, but yeah, yeah, like they're. <laughs> current run man started off strong and they've lost a couple in a row so yeah but you know with the EO 14 it's I, I i used it as like it's a good learning opportunity for these kids uh i think that they had never been on a successful streak like that before um and we were, were flight one scdsl and going into the last two weekends i could tell that there was a lot of uh anxiety not just with the players but you know with the parents on the sideline there was i think the pressure sort of got to everybody and it affected our performances so it was a good opportunity again to educate on the field as, as well as off the field um the o2s in the fall league yeah like i said they they didn't so during regular like league play uh they went eight wins zero losses two ties so we finished top of the table, but then you go into the playoffs, right? And we we won our first round game. 
and then you go and so it goes quarterfinals and the semifinals. The semifinals, I actually caught a nasty virus, and I had to be in the emergency room. So, um, and this happened like a day or two before we were going to play our semifinal, and I I saw my doctor and the day after I was in the emergency room, I saw my doctor and said, you can't work this weekend. And I said, well, it's a semifinal. I have to, I have to be there. And he told me, well, if you, if you go there, then it's very, very likely that you're going to end up back in the emergency room just a few hours later. So, uh, you know, I put my health in front of coaching the game. Uh, it wasn't an easy thing to do. So someone covered the game. Um, we ended up losing and we were out of that competition. So coming off that loss is the first loss that we had. Um, I had to manage that, you know, there was a lot of disappointment. There was a lot of, uh, maybe a, a drop in confidence. The players were very unsure as we were heading into December and traveling to Florida for the super Wiley final. So I had a couple of weeks after me being sick and us losing in the semifinal to, uh, get the mindset of the players back on track and feeling good and working on our, our identity on the field before we, we flew to Florida. So once it came time to travel to Florida, I felt very confident about where we were on the field. I thought training was very good. I, I felt like the morale of the team, the, the mindset of the players was, was fantastic. Everyone was feeling good. Everyone had the belief going to Florida. Um, yeah, so then we, we traveled to Florida beginning of December. I think December 5th is when we left. I actually left the day before most of the team. Uh, there was a little bit of confusion, I think, uh, with our travel plans. We played our, our first game December 7th at 10 a.m. Eastern time. Uh, originally, the team had planned to leave the day before and arrive the night before our game at like 10 o'clock at night. And I communicated with my managers I, I, that I didn't think that, that was a good idea. I felt like we should arrive the day before, have a full day in Florida to just relax and not have to worry and get a good night's sleep and then play our game. We, we'd be physically in a, better, in a better place. Well, not too many people changed their flights and their arrangements. Uh, there was maybe myself and three families, three players who went out December 5th. The rest of the team flew out December 6th. On that day here in California, there was a lot of rain. It rained pretty hard and their flights ended up being delayed. So they didn't, they didn't get out of the airport till a couple, a couple hours later. And one kid's flight, he was on a different flight. I'm not sure why, but his flight got completely canceled. So he was scrambling and he had to uh, fly into a different airport and drive two hours to the hotel. So he, he didn't arrive at the hotel till about three in the morning. And we played at 10 AM. The rest of the team, the rest of the team didn't get to the hotel till midnight. So I was concerned, you know, that first night I was like, man, this is going to be the most important game of the tournament. This first game. Uh, there was a lot of obstacles to overcome. Uh, we had to start the tournament off well with all things being considered, and that would set the tone for us. Luckily, in that first game, we won 6-2. to two. So 
after that result, the performance, everyone was feeling good, and it sort of just kick-started the rest of the way for us. Um, we played five days in a row. So the way that it worked, we arrived and we played three group play matches, three days back-to-back, to back. And then it went to semifinals and the finals. So five days in a row, a game each day, we had a full squad of 18. Um, I knew that there was going to be a challenge managing fatigue and injuries and, and, and even the players who maybe started the tournament not playing as much. Um, so on the field, I, I wasn't concerned. It was more so managing the players you know, on an individual basis, making sure everybody was understanding that at some point you're going to have to contribute. You need to be in the right place. And after the first two games, you know, like I said, there was a couple players who didn't play too many minutes. Um, and so the challenge became then not so much the players, but, you know, parents in, uh, in the structure of soccer in this country, you know, it's pay to play at the youth level and, you know, parents were, you know, in their mind, they're thinking, oh, we, we paid all this money to travel across the country to be in Florida for five, six days, you know, in their mind, they're thinking, the priority is probably they want to see their kid on the field playing and not so much thinking about the collective success of the team. So there, there was some things that I had to manage after the first two games. Um, I had player meetings every night and every morning. So before they went off to bed, we met and we had a conversation when they woke up in the morning, we, we ate breakfast and then we, we had a meeting and just, go over maybe some tactical stuff and you know it was more so to make sure that everyone's in the right frame of mind and to understand that you know this is a collective thing and everyone's going to play their part you got to be ready to go over the five days everyone pretty much contributed there was one player who struggled a little bit he when he arrived he had a a stomach virus or stomach bug of some sort he was nauseous and vomiting the first two games of the tournament so the third game, he uh, he was feeling better, but I knew like he he may not be completely at full strength after having a couple of days of being sick. So I played him for about ten minutes in in the third game to get a feel for you know so he could find his rhythm and so I could get a feel for where he was at. Well, going into the semifinal now, we had a player meeting and this player didn't show up to the meeting. So I had to make a difficult decision and, you know, I knew that the rest of the players were aware that he didn't show up. So I had to tell him, like, we got to the field and I saw him, he was there. I said, Hey, I have to suspend you for this game. And I said, you know, you didn't show up for the meeting. That's unacceptable. That can't happen. So I think he understood. Uh, so he didn't play the whole game. His dad afterwards wasn't very happy. And I had to, had the conversation with him about, what had happened, why, and he wasn't aware. He was, he stayed somewhere else. Uh, I think they had family or friends in the area. He stayed there while the player was at the hotel. So I had to have a conversation with him and let him know what was going on and why his son didn't play. And that tomorrow going into the final, he's good. You know, he has the opportunity to potentially contribute. So over the course of the five games, that player didn't, didn't play too much with all things considered that happened in this situation. 
but yeah, man, we, we, we grew stronger as the tournament went on the semifinals. We played shoreline FC. Uh, I believe they were from, I want to say Connecticut. One, three, zero, very, very good performance in control from start to finish. So going into the final, then we played uh, Kalamazoo kingdom from Michigan. It was a tough game. You know, each of the teams that we played, they were a little different, uh, different threats that they had. So we had to sort of adjust or tweak little things within our playing identity to, to manage what their strengths were. But in the final, we won three to one. Um, and afterwards, you know, it, it was a great feeling. I, I could tell the players had realized that, you know, all the hard work in the buildup to all of this was all worth it. You know, all the sacrifice, all the commitment, me demanding a lot from them, pushing them. Uh, I, I think that they realized how important it was. And then, you know, we got the reward for all that hard work. So it was a fantastic experience for myself and for the players. And, you know, when, when you're winning, all the families were ecstatic. It was a lot of fun and great experience. Everyone enjoyed it. So that was the way that we capped off uh, the year for the 2002s. And now they, they go into high school season on a high um backing up a little bit the 2004s you know after our scdsl season where the last two weekends we we didn't do so well and dropped from first to fifth we played a nomads cup over thanksgiving weekend um and we started off the tournament well uh the second game we lost in our group we had to win the final group game we won that game and then we won the quarterfinals the semifinals and the finals so the O4s won Nomad Cup over Thanksgiving weekend, and that's how they ended their season on a high. And they, they're going into their first year uh, as freshmen in, in their high school season. So uh, a good end to the year for those two teams. And the O6s, um, you know, it's understood that it's a project. It's a long-term process. I've sort of got everybody on board with that thinking. And, um you know, so so now for me, over the next few months, it's a lot of recruiting and, and trying to strengthen those rosters so that in 2019 we can we can build on what's happened in the past and and hopefully um, do well. You know, the, the the goals I would say are to do well in our fall league. Uh, we have super wide league group play over the summer again. So and now all three of my teams will compete in that. My hope is for all three teams to to qualify for the finals, um, and then hopefully we can repeat with the oldest team and uh, have some sex, success with uh, the O sixes and the O fours uh, in Florida as well. So, but really the ultimate goal is for each group to get stronger on the field and performances to be more consistent over the next year. And you know when you do that usually you experience some, some success results-wise. So that's uh, that's where I'm at right now, man. That's my thinking. I'm up, I'm up here in Big Bear just relaxing, recharging the batteries so that when I get back after the new year, I'm ready to go. Hey, sit tight. We are going to hear a quick message from our sponsor, Bounce Athletics. As a part-time DOC, I had a budget, and you know, we needed training gear every year and it just was getting more and more difficult to find decent, high quality, affordable training balls. That's Zach. 
he's the co-founder of Bounce Athletics. And as a coach, he was having a hard time finding quality soccer balls at an affordable price. So he started searching for ways to solve that problem for himself and for others. And that's how Bounce Athletics got its start. We've been able to experiment with a lot of different textured materials and construction methods. And, and I think we've really got it dialed in to, to where now, you know, with, with our training balls, we're providing super high level training balls that have all the modern technology in them for a fraction of the price of global brands. Zach and Bounce Athletics are offering 343 members and listeners 10% off orders of those custom premium soccer balls that he was just talking about. If you are hosting a soccer camp this summer and you want to get 10% off camp balls with free shipping and receive everything by May, just place your order with Bounce Athletics by February 15th. Email info at bounceathletics.com to start the order process and be sure to mention 343 to receive your 10% discount. All right, let's get back to the show. All right, I have a ton of questions. <laughs> Far away, man. I know. Um, well, the the first question I'll ask is kind of as as you get ready, as you're recharging, as you're refocusing and preparing yourself for the next year, I'm curious if one team of yours is going to get any additional attention in the in the new year and as i thought about that question in my head you know the the idea of like oh like you know you have to pick your favorite child basically like which like which one's your favorite kid um if you Mm -hmm. have like a family of three or something and parents are always say oh they're all my favorite they all get the same amount of love and attention but it's like oh okay so as you were talking you know, a little bit ago, I got the impression that the O2s were kind of like the stars of the show for, for you in, in the fall, but they've also accomplished the most and maybe made the most progress. So maybe they don't need as much, uh, of the attention going into this new season or this new, uh, this new year. And maybe the O6s need it. I don't know if that's the way that you're thinking about it. So I would like to kind of have you explore those thoughts. Yeah, it's it's a difficult balance coaching three teams, you know, but my thinking is uh, I want to do everything I possibly can for the oldest group and try to really help them uh, as they get ready to potentially take the next step in their playing career. They don't have a lot of time left, you know, and it doesn't seem like they've attracted too much attention in prior years so like almost make them so damn good that they're going to attract attention no matter what so even though they don't have too much time left and they've had success over the past year my goal is to make them even stronger um you know and have ultimately if you're if if the team is winning trophies they're they should attract some attention so you know it's very difficult but in my mind, I want to win every competition that that team plays in. It, it's probably not going to happen, but I want to give everything I possibly can to to try to make that happen, uh, to help them, to improve them, bring in players to strengthen the roster, um, and make the make the identity, the performance of the field stronger, better, and more consistent. So, 
I am still going to make that team the priority. And the younger teams, the O4s, you know, they're in high school now, so they don't have too much time left either. Uh, I think probably in terms of roster building, that's where I'm going to spend the most time is on that team. Uh, there's some very good players. Uh, there's some areas we need to strengthen. Um, so I think that's where I'm going to put the most work in over the next three months, trying to strengthen the roster for them. Uh, the 06s I need to strengthen as well. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I would say over the next few months, the most attention will go to the 04s and the 06s. And maybe, you know, with the 02s, I maybe need to add maybe two, three players. So not as much work. The other two teams, I need to maybe make a handful of changes to make those teams stronger. And they have openings on the roster anyway. So um, over the next three months, yeah, that's the way I look at it. But then once we start, we get the roster solidified and we're heading into playing tournaments and games, that becomes a balancing act, you know, because I'll try my best to schedule it so I don't have any conflicts so I can be everywhere. Um, but ultimately, I'm I'm going to experience conflicts. Um, and so I think it'll be much the same as the way that I did this past year. Uh, the O2s will get the priority when it comes to games and the O4s and then the O6s. Um, it's, that's difficult to manage, you know what I mean? Because each team, uh, the parents want you to be there the players want you to be there so you you have to communicate in a way that makes them feel good even when you're you can't be there and and make them understand that even though you're not there there's still a lot of work going into into the team to make it stronger and help the fam you know get the families to understand that i'm i'm doing everything i can to help their individual player out but yeah, that's kind of the way that I see it playing out over this season in terms of who gets the most love, if you want to say. <laughs> no, it's important. It's an important yeah. thing for, for all coaches to, to think about. Um, the other thing that really that I really wanted to ask you about, and you mentioned it and then completely just, just glossed over it, man, but <laughs> the O4s that you brought with you to Florida – and in, in the in the guys that played in the uh, in the tournament, in the actual tournament with the O twos, they they weren't you know they weren't just guys that you brought, um, you know as as you know filler or, or you know to to kind of just you know yeah just fill up the roster. They were guys that I believe, if I if I interpreted it correctly, played key roles, and and you didn't really talk too much about that. So tell me tell me a little bit about those younger players that you added. And, and the role that they played in the uh, in the run to the to the final turn or to the final game. Yeah, so yeah, like I had mentioned, they, you know, because there were a couple players who dropped off the O2 roster. Um, you know, I felt like instead of going and getting new players of that age, that I could give opportunities to some players who were in my O4 team. So they started to train with the team. It was late July, early August, I'd say. Uh, we were finishing up our group play for Super Y League, I think, is when I started to introduce them. And at first, they they played, you know, just a few minutes. In fact, only two of them were introduced at that time. And another 04 was introduced to the 02s later on. You know, so they played very little minutes at first, just sort of introducing them to the speed of play, the level, uh, 
you know, that it can take a little bit of time for them to adapt to that. But over the months, they showed that it wasn't a problem. They Their minutes started to increase. And, yeah, once we got, you know, into the middle of the fall season, whenever there wasn't a conflict for the 04s and 02s, I had those players on the roster for the O2s. And there were times where uh, one of them was starting games. We would start. He was playing on, on the wing. Um, and so, yeah, as we, as we got to the Super Y League finals, uh, I started to realize that another player of, from the O4s was playing a very significant role um, as a center forward. Just the way that he played it made it very difficult for the opponent. So as as we were heading to Florida, you know, in my mind, two of the O4s were on the verge of starting places within the team. Now, you know, there there was a little bit of uh, controversy because, you know, in the pay-to-play model, each team, you know, you pay your club fees and then each team has team fees. So the, the 04 players had their team fees for their 04 team, um, and they hadn't paid any team fees for the 02s. So, you know, th- there was some some people maybe not too sure about these 04s coming up and playing with the team and going to Florida and taking some time away from some of the 02 players. So I had to manage that. You know, I think in this country, the way that it's all set up, uh, you know, th- there's not a lot of emphasis uh, on on the team, you know, being a successful team and having good collective performances. It's very much uh, looked at in an individual way. Uh, you know, the, the club, it's, you know, each player, it's like they're just looking out for themselves. So it's understandable. And, of course, here you turn on ESPN, you're seeing – top 10 plays, you're seeing individual statistics all the time. And I think uh, culturally, there's a lot of a lot more emphasis put on individual instead of team. So I had to manage that as we were heading to Florida and get everyone to understand that it was important for those guys to, to be there with us. They were going to help us uh, have whatever success we ended up having. So yeah, over the course of the tournament, uh, one of the players, the kid who was playing center forward, he was tied for the lead, the lead in goal scoring. He scored four over the five games, and he contributed three assists. And then the kid who was playing uh, on the wing, who had been playing with the O2 group for since the summer, he scored three goals and, and had an assist. And then there was another player. Um, he actually plays as a defender for my O4 team, but he would play on the wing as well. And he had two goals. So they contributed nine goals uh, out of the team's 17 goals over the five games. So they were extremely important to the success that we had in Florida and to lifting the trophy. That's the, just hearing, hearing the number and then hearing you talk about their age and then, and then just describing the kind of like, like the controversy surrounding them. It, it really, I think just encapsulates just so much about American club soccer all in like just this, I don't know, that last five minutes that you talked like that, that is one of the biggest struggles with, with American soccer. And I don't know how to 
properly put that into words, but I'm just listening to you as you're talking about it. I'm just sitting there nodding my head thinking like, yep, like, yep, I get it. I get it. I get it. So. Coming from the academy setup, you know, LSU and Galaxy, it's like you move players up. If if they're doing well and you want to continue to challenge them, you move them up an age. It's not a big deal. But when you're in club soccer, you know, each team is its own individual thing. And so it's a lot more difficult to do that sort of thing. Uh, but yeah, I was able to just communicate the importance of it and make it all work out. And I think, I think, you know, I might be wrong, but I think after the tournament was over and we had the success that we did and those players contributed in the way that they did, everyone understood uh, the importance of those players being with us. Well, and, and another thought that popped into my head too is that I'm not sure, maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong, but the O2s don't really have a team that they can jump up to. Like there's no, there's no pro team at Fram. There's no, there's no, you know, senior team for them to, to make that same jump that the O4s are making. So to them, it, it probably, and I don't want to single anybody out, but just in general, right? It seems lopsided. Like, oh my gosh, like look at these O4s and these O6s and the opportunities that they get. And, and there's nowhere for, for my kid to make that same jump. And so that kind of just distorts the entire, uh, the entire view. And, and it's kind of, yeah, it, it just, it, that, that becomes, ah, see, I don't know the right way to say this. It just, that's, that's the problem. Like there's a ceiling on, yeah. on one end um, and then, and then kind of like this ladder for these younger guys to climb, but these older guys, there's, there's not that, there's not that ladder. Right. Yeah. I, I can only control the things that I have. So yep. I, I do my best to integrate all three of those teams, not in just terms of giving players opportunities to move up, but, you know, sort of get the younger players to look up to the older players, like as examples um, and see how they're playing. And that's, that's the objective. That's the goal. So almost like a club within a club outside of my three teams, you know, I don't, I don't have control of that. You know, it's, it's up to the coach. And, and I try my best to try to create relationships and, and potentially open up the possibility of players playing up if, if they need to, but it becomes hard because, you know, my three teams are going to play in a similar way, but outside of my three teams within the club, are those teams going to play similar to us is it going to be difficult you know for an 02 player to go play with an o, the 01 team for example because they play in a different way so yeah it's it's very uh it's segregated you know you, you each team operates in in its own little bubble well uh i'm really curious like what your like what's what's first on the docket for you as you come back for the the brand new year and and you know what what are you most excited about for January for February and, and and maybe what are what are one or two things that you actually want to improve with these teams and we talked about roster building and things like that but let's let's maybe zoom in a little bit closer for uh for this last segment yeah. I think uh, once I get back home here from from Big Bear, uh, right away I'm going to be watching games. My plan is to go watch high school games for the O4s and the O2s, see if there's any players out there uh, who we can bring in. 
the 06s, you know, they don't have high school seasons, so they're going to start training right away. Um, and then on the weekends, they'll play games, at least a game a weekend. And then that gives me some time to go and watch games elsewhere uh, to recruit potential players for, for that team. So that's going to happen over the next few months. On the field, identity-wise, you know, um, attacking. When we have the ball, I think all three teams have a pretty good idea of what we want to do, and they can execute. They can execute well. The 06s can execute fairly well. The 04s can execute fairly well. I think the 02s execute the best, um, probably because I've, you know, I've worked with some of those players, you know, before I, I came to Fram. So they're executing very well. But, you know, one of the things, and I think we may have talked about this before, that I'm continuing to try to improve is, is the defensive part of the game, where my, all three teams are still conceding goals, too many, to, uh, a lot more than I would like. So um, I'd like to improve in that area, transitioning from when we have the ball to defending and having a better understanding of, you know, each each player's role within how we want to defend uh, and being able to do it at a higher level so that we can end up with more clean sheets instead of having one goal conceded or two goals conceded. Uh, you know, we, we, my teams, it's crazy. We, we score a lot of goals, but yeah, every game it's like we concede one or two goals. I want that to, to stop. I'd like to have zero goals, you know, so we have more control of the game. Of course. But you know, that's, that's a lot of work. So I think um, going into these next few months, those are the things on my list, recruiting, uh, working on the defensive part of the game, but also still touching on having possession of the ball and how we want to, how we want to go about that. I think that's what makes my teams what they are is the way that we play when we have the ball and we have most of the ball each game. Um, but when we do lose it, we have to be better. So that's, those are the things on my list heading into 2019 and the next few months. Dude, something popped into my head in that last in that last bit you were talking about, and you you had mentioned like the kind of the goal shift, and you want to accomplish some things defensively, but still you need to touch on those other things. And that reminded me of the way that I handled that personally with with one of my teams. It's like once we had worked on building out of the back and and swinging the ball across the back line you know, over and over and over again for months, actually uh, an entire calendar year, I think it was in every single training session. Um, then I felt like the girls were comfortable with it and we were demonstrating it uh, in games, which was the most important part. And so once it, that became pretty comfortable for us, it, it, didn't, it, it didn't get removed from the training plan. It just, its place, um, it, it was just in a different place. And, and what I mean by that is, you know, five minutes with just the back five swinging the ball from, from side to side while the rest of the group took a water break or, you know, practice was over. A, you know, back five, you guys stick around. You guys are going to work on swinging the ball across the back. So it wasn't like, a, you know, a, a 20 or 30 minute um, dedication to that one specific exercise anymore. It was more like refreshers. And, and every, mm -hmm. you know, every couple of weeks, yeah, we, we would, you know, do an intensive session on it. But, you know, it, once we got to a place where I was comfortable with them uh, executing in the games, then it just became the refreshers, like you kind of mentioned. And, and I hadn't thought about that in a long time. Um, obviously, I, I've, I haven't had a team for uh, a few years. So um, 
I, yeah, it just that just popped into my head as, as as you were saying it. So I wanted to get that off my chest. Yeah, that's exactly how I'm looking at it. Is there's new things that need to be layered in to the identity, and you know, th- this past season it was all building out of the back, um, attacking patterns. Uh, those are the two priorities, I would say, along with a, that's the tactical stuff. Of, of course, the rondos are in there improving technique, the decision-making. But, yeah, now going into year two with those things, you know, somewhat established, exactly how you said it, like refreshers. Maybe once a week there's a little time set aside to refresh on those things, um, especially the building out of the back part, maybe the attacking patterns. We, I add a couple more things so that we have a little more variety. Not too much, though, just a little bit. And then, yeah, concentrating on pressing more, you know, because that, that wasn't as much of a priority this past season, the pressing in the opponent's half, uh, how we defend in midfield, and then keeping the back line organized. I, I just touched on those things this season. Uh, so going into year two, those things will probably become more of a priority so that we're stronger at those those few things. So yeah, exactly, exactly how you put it, like a refresher. Damn, Joey. I know I said it last time when you recorded, but I think I think this this one beats it. I think this is the best conversation we've recorded. Yeah, yeah. We uh, there was a lot of like conversation about themes and and the whole process, which I think is kind of cool for for coaches to hear. I think some of our conversations in the past have been a little more different, like talking about my experiences at LAFC and Galaxy and whatnot. So, yeah, this will probably be a good one for, for coaches to listen to. And the, and the most important part, I think, is the way that you kind of talked about how having to manage the players and the parents throughout, uh, you know, throughout the, the, the year, but specifically throughout um, the course of the fall season, the, the tournament itself, and then the finals. I think that's, that's super valuable insight for people to get and and I'm curious why well, I actually I know the answer if people have questions they can reach out to you and I think that you'd be an open book if if they want to so um can can you maybe just remind people where where they can reach you Yeah I'm uh, on Twitter my handle's uh at supremacy ts uh on Instagram you should just be able to search Joey Cassio and and I'll pop up those are the best ways probably to get in touch with me and then we can go from there but yeah, man. For me, over over the course of my career, I, I now think when you're working in club soccer, the most important thing is being able to manage the players, the families, how you communicate with everybody, because ultimately that is going to uh, allow you to have success on the field. So if you, you may be good on the field, but if you can't properly communicate off of it, it makes it very difficult, you know, to, to get the time to execute your vision. You know, it's just, it's a part of the game. It's part of the job. And I've had to go through, you know, some difficult periods to, to learn that and understand that. But yeah, man, I, I think that that's the most important thing when you're coaching in club soccer. All right, man. Well, enjoy the rest of your trip up in big bear till Jamie and the, and the baby, I said, hello. And, uh, and I hope that you and the rest of the family have a have a good and and happy and safe New Year, man. Thanks, man. I'll uh, will do, and you too, man. Happy New Year, and uh, hopefully 2019 for for all of us is is good.
Hey, and uh, Gary, Gary just tweeted out that we, we might have to drop bombs in 2019. So you, in your environment, you drop your bombs. <laughs> Definitely. In my environment, I always drop bombs. That's good. That's good. All right, man. Uh, we'll catch up soon. All right, man. Talk to you soon. All right. Later. Right. Thank you for listening to another episode of the 343 Podcast. And a big thank you to our sponsor, Bounce Athletics. I also want to leave you with one note from one of our members of the 343 Coaching Education Program. His name is Thomas, and he's been a member for quite a while. And this is what he had to say. If you want to play insanely good with your team and start to understand the possession and positional game, this will give you a head start. I have tried the material on three ordinary teams, and after a year, they totally dominate the local teams. After two years, they are among the best in the region. The program 343 offers is not a complicated curriculum. It's actually simpler than you might think. But instead of more, you have to go deep in every detail. Thomas, thank you so much for that beautiful review, and I hope that everybody else finds that valuable. If you want more information about the 343 Coaching Education Program, the program that helps support and fund this podcast, you can visit 343coaching.com. All right, we'll catch you guys next time here on the podcast. Thank you so much for listening.